Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. One of the Austin superpowers that we've called out is that we're living in the future. That means new technologies are being developed, tested, and deployed here first. The future of work is a buzzword that's gotten a lot of play in the pandemic and post-pandemic periods, whether due to remote work, digital collaboration, or data-driven decision-making. Here in Austin, we're driving that future, and today we talked to Razat Garev, CEO of PlanView, on their place in the region, how they're creating these tools, and the future of Austin. Razat joined the company in 2021, and has over 20 years of experience in the enterprise software space with a proven track record of driving innovation-based growth and scaling up technology businesses. Prior to joining PlanView, Razat was the CEO of Llamasoft, the leader in AI-based supply chain design and decisioning software. While there, he drove an expanded product vision combined with a purpose-driven culture, enabling the company to do more than double its revenue in three years and resulted in a successful $1.5 billion acquisition by Coupa in November, 2020. Prior to Lamasoft, Razad held leadership positions at Blue Yonder, I2 Technologies, and Ernst & Young's management consulting practice. He also served on the board of directors of Sparta Systems and Lamasoft. Razad was recognized by Goldman Sachs as one of the 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs of 2020. Razad serves on the advisory board of the University of Michigan's Industrial and Operations Engineering Department. He's also engaged in various philanthropic and policy initiatives related to medical research, STEM education across minorities, and efforts to reduce carbon emissions. Razat graduated with honors in engineering from the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. Razat, welcome to the Austin Next podcast. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. So let's just start off a bit. Tell us about PlanView, a little bit of its history, and what are the things we should know about its products and solutions? Sure, I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, PlanView, we're an enterprise SaaS company based here in, uh, in Austin, uh, born and raised in Austin, actually, as a company, uh, went through the, the typical evolutions of a tech company. Uh, today, we are a market leader in, what, uh, in, in a category called portfolio and work management software solutions. So we work with uh, large and mid-sized organizations across all verticals, and we help them figure out how to prioritize the allocation of resources and capital across initiatives, help them execute on those initiatives in the most productive and efficient way. And then we also provide a digital collaborative backbone so cross-functional teams can work on these initiatives effectively. We, we, uh, we have a global presence, a global customer base, but again, the heart and soul is, is definitely Austin. So we shouldn't be doing capital allocation and spreadsheets? No, uh, <laughs> spreadsheets uh, are the bane of everyone's existence. We are on a mission as an organization to, uh, to replace spreadsheets with, with our solution when it comes to, to making these types of decisions. So you kind of talked about the, you know, obviously collaboration backbone and really doing the portfolio management. This seems obviously as part of a larger trend as the digitization of work. What do you really see are the biggest trends that's kind of affecting that? Yeah, it's definitely part of a bigger macro trend, like you said, and, and we, we like to think about the future of work in the enterprise. And, you know, that, that term gets used around a lot and means, means different things to different people. So maybe it'd be, it'd be helpful for me to describe what we don't do, right? So, so, so we, we, we don't 
uh, do what what Zoom, and we're sitting on a Zoom call right now, what Zoom or Slack do. Those are communication vehicles that enable the future of work. We're actually users of tools like Zoom, Slack, Teams for Microsoft, et cetera, right? However, what we help with and, and what we see as a broader macro trend clearly is the pace of change, right, in, in organizations. And again, there was change happening pre-pandemic. It just got put on turbocharge during the pandemic, right? And the changes are happening because of multiple reasons. There, there are many technology disruptions in many different verticals. There are new business models, new operating models. Think about it, what Amazon has done to retail, right? Or what the you know electric vehicle is doing to the internal combustion engine in automotive, right? Uh, there's some fundamental pivots that are happening in industries at every company, no matter which vertical you're in, which industry vertical you're in, you're trying to grapple with these changes. And so as an organization, no matter what organization you are, you still have finite resources and capital, right? You, you can't invest in everything under the face of the sun. Uh, even if you are Walmart, Goldman Sachs, or, or Amazon, you still have finite resources and capital. So, so you know, part of, part of what we're seeing in terms of the macro trend here is change is rampant. Uh, digitalization is is no longer a nice to have. It's an imperative. Uh, technology is creating a ton of change, you know, disruptions, and companies have to try to make sensible, data driven decisions on how to go about allocating resources and capital across these initiatives. And when they do that, the other thing that's changing and, and is is very relevant here is the new generation of the workforce, you know, people that are getting introduced into the workforce, they have a very fundamentally different way of working. Uh, you know, the command and control structure is no longer relevant or valid, particularly in North America and Western Europe, European cultures, right? The workforce that's coming into our organizations, whether it's at PlanView or our customers' organizations, they are better informed than ever before. They have more access to information than ever before. They're very you know, technology savvy and they want to be empowered. They want to be empowered. So, so the challenge that organizations face is in the, in, in, you know, while they're dealing with all these changes, how do they align their strategic objectives and the goals that they're trying to aspire to as an organization with the bottoms up empowerment and energy and the work effort that the teams are actually working on, right? And connecting those dots is, is a challenge we see across all kinds of companies, right? And that's the problem we're trying to solve for, for, for our customers, leveraging our digital platform. How do you balance, and uh, something I hadn't mentioned kind of in, in previous, I actually used PlanView at a previous company, so uh, was, was well aware well, there. How, how do you balance the want for visibility, the want for, you know, that ability to, to drive better capital allocation with the one good data in, right? There's still some, you know, humans entering the data in. This is, this is a productivity taskmaster. Like it's just me, I'm putting in my, my times and how long we're spending on R&D and it's being used in, in that realm, right? Because obviously if you want that bottoms up, you need them to be buying in as well. Yes, yes. Both, both are good questions. Look, data is, you know, so it's sort of like, if it's garbage in, it's going to be garbage ads, right? right. Uh, and so we don't take data for granted. Uh, and, and a lot of people, they, they call data the new oil or whatever. I like to think of data as water, 
right? There's enough water everywhere, but sometimes there's just not enough to drink, right? I like that. You, you, you got to filter the water, you got to route the water, you got to channel the water. Same thing with data, right? There's a ton of data. Everyone has more data. There's everyone swimming in data, right? Uh, every organization is. But in order to really be able to use it and harness it and, and use it to really make better decisions, you've got to be able to curate that. And, and, and so we spend a lot of time with our customers and, and we don't take that for granted. Um, we, of course, have to integrate to multiple systems. Uh, whether it's an ERP system or a CRM system or an HR system or delivery systems that you know are getting used, so we we have a very robust and we invest tremendously in, in an integration infrastructure, and then we we structure the data in a way that that again can facilitate the decision making that you're talking about. Right, that's not something we we take for granted. We also minimize the importance of that. Right. When it comes to the buy-in from the teams, you're 100% right. Uh, and, and what I find is the answering and, and over-indexing on why it's important to do certain things is very critical in getting that buy-in, right? But also, I think, you know, uh, planned use products have evolved over the years, right? And, and in the early days, a lot of the focus was around the gory details of program management, portfolio planning, you know, task management, resource planning, which were, which were, you know, let's say a little bit more top-down driven, right? I would say in the last five years, a lot of our investments, uh, whether organically or through acquisitions, have been in the bottoms up in really creating that work environment that that our users, the teams, the team members are willing and able to use in an effective and a pleasant way, right? Uh, that's something that we've had to do uh, very effectively. Yeah, more recently, and, and, and whether it's the user interface, their experience with our UI, you know, how they collaborate with other team members that they're working with. And, you know, uh, originally it was to help enable cross-functional team members sitting in different locations around the world working together. Of course, in today's environment, even if you were in the same office for the last two years, most people have been working virtually, right? So, so we've invested significantly in the user experience but through all of that, you know, helping the teams understand the why and, and providing them uh, the, the logic and the rationale is as important as, as the software platform itself. Yeah, and it makes sense as you've got this, as you said, a lot of these, the data-driven, the, you know, you had teams across the, across the world and all that was accelerated with the pandemic. It wasn't, didn't exist before. It wasn't that it didn't exist before. It was just, it was there and now it's, you know, 30% or whatever. When I think about one of the interesting things about Austin, right, we kind of say one of the superpowers, we're, we're living in the future, right? So that the that future of work digitization is happening faster here than, say, other places. How are you seeing the data-driven organizations, the remote work, the using these kind of, you know, collaboration and planning tool backgrounds actually playing out in Austin? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Austin is a, is a good representation of the amount of change happening in the world, Maybe we're a little bit uh, at, a, at a faster pace as we speak. We, uh, we actually have a, a very healthy group of customers here in the Austin area. Companies like Dell, Silicon Labs and others, you know, even some of the government agencies here that are part of uh, the state of Texas are customers of ours as well. And uh, of course, the, the, the area around Austin is seen and is continuing to see uh, tremendous amount of growth, right? And, and 
you know, I'm still relatively new to Austin. This is my first year in Austin. I'll be just finishing up the year mark uh, in, in a month or so. But what's interesting for me is, uh, you know, as an outsider coming in, I see some, you know, sort of three anchor points in this, in this area. You know, you've, you've got the university, which, which is a powerhouse, largest student population in the country, uh, great talent pool, but also the entire ecosystem that surrounds the university, right? You've got professors, researchers, medical doctors, you know, et cetera, right? So it's a massive ecosystem, and that's a great anchor point. Uh, second is, of course, the, the, the state machinery, right? Uh, the state of Texas, uh, it's, it's the state capital, and there's, there's an infrastructure around it. And then third is the tech industry. We're all part of the tech industry here, the tech ecosystem, lots of uh, large, mid-sized and small, you know, aspiring, innovative companies. And, and, and that, that tech uh, ecosystem continues to grow. But as, as we work with uh, our customers, you know, um, clearly uh, a lot of the, the emphasis we have is in how do we connect the dots uh, whether it's the, the connecting the goals to the teams, you know, or, or ideas to the impact is the way we think about it, but also sometimes it's connecting the dots between, you know, uh, different functional uh, elements of the organization. How does IT work with the line of business? How does finance work with marketing, right? So that, that collaboration across functions is very key uh, as you're going through, especially as you're going through a lot of changes. And then also sometimes we're connecting the dots between sort of, uh, the investments and the outcomes, right? Because obviously everyone is investing in digitalization, but as research shows, uh, a large percentage, you know, roughly 60% of investments in digitalization don't actually yield the, the, the output or the outcomes or the, the initial business case that they, they were uh, intended for. And so we've tried to learn from our customers in, in what, uh, what good looks like and, and what are the key ingredients for, for success. And we've packaged that as part of our uh, solution footprint. And by the way, uh, we are part of that ecosystem as well. So we use our own products as Plan B, right? Um, we, we're a global company. Uh, we've got you know, teams all over the world. We've got, you know, various functions across product and you know, engineering and R&D teams, product management teams. We've got gold market sales organizations. We've got customer success and delivery organizations. We've got finance, IT, HR function. And, and how we function as a company is, is on the backbone of, of our platform, right? And, and we've really uh, embraced the agile ways of working, which, which by the way, led themselves very well to a changing environment, right? because you're constantly orienting around feedback loops and learning cycles. So uh, PlanView, as well as uh, all our customers here, are, are part of that changing ecosystem. And, and you know, we like to say we're customer zero ourselves, right? And our own users are one of the biggest sources of feedback back into our product teams on, on improvements and, and, and enhancement requests and, and things like that. And we test our own software as we use it as well. And, and, and then the last thing I'll say is, as, as relates specifically to Austin, you know, look, the, the growth uh, creates, uh, you know, new and interesting challenges as well, right? And, and, and some of those challenges, as you know, are related to housing, infrastructure, talent. We can, we can talk more about those things. 
Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I see uh, a lot of energy and momentum locally with the, the community and the ecosystem to really come together and rally together to take on those challenges head on, right? I, I don't think there's any, uh, I, at least I haven't seen people brushing that aside and being in denial mode. Uh, and these are good problems for us to solve, right? Uh, they, they, it would be a different story if we were not growing as a community or as, 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 as a city and, and, and it was static and, and there weren't enough you know, uh, job opportunities for people. Uh, so, so these are good problems to solve, but there's still problems that do need, need solutions and, and, and require innovative ways of thinking. And, 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 and of course, we, as part of that community, are part of that as well. I want to pivot a little bit to your journey and your coming here to Austin. What made you pick PlanView and why were you excited about coming here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I'll, I'll talk about PlanView. Uh, I uh, uh, was not really looking to jump back into an operating role after uh, the exit I had uh, previously uh, with a company called Lomasoft. It got acquired by Cooper Software. It was a very successful exit. I helped with the integration. But uh, when the board at PlanView approached me and, and I did further research, I, I found three things to be really interesting, right? One, uh, was just the macro backdrop to, to the solution space and the problem domain that we address and all the changes, the need for the future for connected work, the need for a digital platform to enable, uh, you know, uh, all, 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 all the business outcomes you try to achieve. So I, I got fascinated by, by the problem domain, uh, particularly in the context of the macroeconomic uh, and the macro uh, backdrop. Second, uh, the, the company, uh, you know, over the years has really developed a very strong product base, really strong customer base and a reference base. Uh, and, and my remit here is not to, you know, uh, take a, a, a poor performing company and turn it around into a halfway decent company. This is already a really good company, financially very stable, uh, great customer base, great people, great products. And my remit here is to take a good company and make it great. So that good to great transformation, that good to great transformation is something that I enjoy doing. It comes with a lot of positive energy. Uh, it, it, it requires uh, out of the box thinking. And, and I, I really found that to be a fascinating opportunity. And then the third reason was just, uh, you know, as I met the people, whether it was members of the board, uh, and, and that's made up of investors, it's made up of you know, uh, external board members or the management team, the leadership team, as part of the process. I, I was really impressed with with uh, with the quality caliber uh, of the people, and and those are the three things. It's, it's, it came down to sort of the problem domain, just the the robust opportunity around taking a good company and making it great, uh, and then lastly, uh, just the caliber and quality of the people and the culture that surrounds this company. Clearly, the things that always make a difference in, uh, yeah. in coming to a good company. Yeah, let me talk about Austin a little bit. You know, um, I moved from the Midwest. I moved from Chicago, uh, and, and I was spending a lot of time in Chicago and Ann Arbor prior to this. And Austin is fascinating. I, I visited Austin many times, and I have friends here, live here. Uh, and what fascinates me about Austin, beyond all the growth and all that sort of stuff, is, is really the culture. Right, the, the the vibe. A lot of people talk about the Austin vibe, uh, and and uh, 
And I think a lot of that is rooted in the same anchor points I mentioned, right? Particularly the university and, and the tech culture, right? Oh, the way, the best way I can describe it is, you know, uh, people are super friendly and open-minded. Uh, there's a very diverse, you know, a set of people here from all over the world. Uh, but also, uh, I love the unpretentious uh, sort of approach and attitude in Austin. And I, and I really hope that's something we can preserve, right? Uh, I, I can go to a top-rate restaurant and have a, an amazing meal that in many cities would be a Michelin-starred meal in my shorts and T-shirts. Uh, and, and I appreciate that. You know, I, I appreciate the option of, of being able to experience that. So, so uh, that's something that I that I really love about Austin. That's, that was very attractive. And then again, you know, just coming out of the winter here, the weather, right? Uh, uh, the Chicago winters, the Midwest winters are severe. They're, they're, they're harsh. Uh, and and uh, my family and I, we've just enjoyed a very mild weather here. I mean, it's it's little. It's got a broad range, but. Uh, we enjoy the landscape uh, and, and, and the outdoors here a lot more so than the Midwest. So I think those are some of the key reasons for, for picking Austin. So after spending three years in Chicago, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I will warn you that after a couple of years here, what seems to be mild compared to Chicago will be extreme. So yes. that's more to yeah. get used to. Enterprise software has been a mainstay of the Austin ecosystem for a number of years. Talk to me about what you've seen in, in your almost a year here and how that's changing now uh, in, in terms of the, the enterprise software as a, as a mainstay to the Austin ecosystem. Yeah, and enterprise software, look, uh, they've been, uh, it's, it's, the, the industry has existed for a long time and there've been a few uh, good examples of companies that were born here and founded here that have been able to scale, right? Uh, uh, and become modularizations. Uh, what, what I find is uh, a few things. What, what enables that, of course, starts with the talent, right? And, and everyone's talking about talent right now. And, and again, the university system, whether it's UT Austin, but also all the other surrounding, you know, colleges and universities are, are a big uh, reason for being able to attract the talent and innovators want to be here and live here and, 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 and build businesses here, right? But I think the enterprise software industry in general has gone through massive pivots and shifts. You know, uh, when I started in enterprise software, you know, you, the primary deployment model was on-premise, right? And you sold perpetual license deals and you had maintenance contracts and you deployed the software, uh, you know, behind the customer's firewall, right? That has then dramatically shifted over the years and, and, and in the last 10 years, uh, SaaS is a you know software as a service business model deployments in the cloud have become you know dominant prevalent uh, way that, that that software is getting developed and deployed, and and so that's and, and and oh by the way the business models have shifted from perpetual licenses and maintenance to much more of a recurring revenue model right subscription oriented business model, but that shift in my mind is a very profound shift but also a very positive shift because, because in this business model, uh, you can get a lot more efficiencies in the way you develop software and the way you introduce features, functions, enhancements simultaneously to the entire customer base that's on your SaaS environment, as well as it creates a lot of uh, the right behaviors and ensuring that the software 
provider and the customers are aligned on motivations and incentives because it's in, in a recurring revenue model, you've got to justify your existence you know, every three years or whatever the duration is for, for your length of agreement. So, so it just aligns everyone, you know, a, a lot better in ensuring there's usage adoption and value of your software. And so, so customer success has become, you know, the, that, that term did not exist a few years ago. It's become a very common and a dominant part of any uh, SaaS organization. Here in Austin, uh, there, there are several great examples of enterprise software companies like SailPoint, you know, and Markplain uh, is a great example of that. He founded the company here, has been able to scale it. They went IPO or big commerce or, or, you know, even prior to all of this, you know, there's a company called Trilio that, that really pioneered a lot of things when it came to enterprise software, particularly from a market perspective. So this, Austin has had this thriving community, but I think now uh, what I'm finding is now some of the largest enterprise software companies like Oracle uh, are moving in in a bigger way into Austin, but uh, there's still a continued, uh, you know, uh, ecosystem of early stage companies uh, that are that innovating and, and are creating new solutions uh, and, and there are different areas that I see a lot of interesting solutions here for, for early stage companies happening. And then finally, you know, uh, access to capital, right? It's, it's uh, you know, uh, Austin, uh, if, you, if you think, if you study, you know, why did the Silicon Valley uh, become this, this massive hub for global innovation. There, there are many reasons for that. A lot of that has to do with talent and, 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 and weather and landscape, uh, but a lot of it also has to do with access to capital. And then you create the flywheel and, 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 and all of a sudden it's sort of a self-reinforcing virtuous cycle. I think Austin is, is definitely earlier in that, in that evolution as it relates to enterprise software. But uh, you know what we're finding at PlanView is that not only are we tapping into the talent pool that's already available locally here, but as we're recruiting nationally, it's an easier sell for me as I'm trying to hire talent uh, to convince them to move to Austin than it was for me to move them to the Midwest, right? And, and again, the same reasons apply. And, and some of that, you know, for example, we've had lots of employees that uh, were based in California that are now based here in, in Austin. You know, a lot of that has to do with uh, the cost of living, uh, you know, access to uh, public and schooling infrastructure. The fact that we don't have any state tax is, is attractive for some people as well. So, so there are many factors that are, that are enabling us to, to continue to bring talent here. Uh, but I also think we need to also continue to work on developing and growing the talent as well. And, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, going back to the STEM programs, encouraging more women and minorities to participate in these STEM programs, growing the, the pool of uh, engineering and technical and computer science talent that is so pivotal in an, in an enterprise software company to continue to grow. Uh, and, and, and then also to make sure that we don't uh, have a situation where we completely price out uh, early in career talent, right? Uh, you know, um, it, it, and, and, and that's, that's part of what happened in the, in the Silicon Valley. I mean, it's just, you know, in Palo Alto, an average home is roughly 2,500 bucks a square foot, right? So if you want to buy a thousand square foot condo in, in a 
sort of decent area, it's $2.5 million, right? That's cost prohibitive for someone in their mid to late 20s trying to start a family, right? Uh, and, and so uh, we, that's something we have to be careful about in Austin, be thoughtful about that from an from a, you know, urban landscape and land use perspective is, is ensure that there's, there's access to housing. That's also something that I've seen here in, in you know, one of, the, one of the attractive things about Austin was the live music scene, right? And, and, and I've had a chance to go to some of the, the local venues like the Saxon Pub or, or the Continental, you know, uh, you know, venue, et cetera, right? And, and, and as I talk to people who've been here over the years, you know, the, the consistent theme I hear is musicians have a tough time sustaining a life you know, paying for the cost of living uh, in, in Austin. I, I think, you know, in the tech industry, of course, we, they're, they're highly paid uh, folks, but when you're early in career, uh, we want to make sure that Austin doesn't become so cost prohibitive that it becomes difficult for us to continue to keep the talent here as well as attract talent from other parts of the country. Uh, those, those are some of the things that I'll say here as it relates to the enterprise software industry. We have to make sure we continue to make this to be a, an attractive, relevant, and an affordable location for us to, to build that industry up. I think your comments about housing and infrastructure really play on each other as they affect talent. And we know, for example, around the new Tesla Gigafactory, there are people looking to build homes that are... 13, 1400 square feet, and they're going to be about $250,000. So compared to the condo in Palo Alto, quite the bargain. Yes. But you've talked about the issues of culture. You've talked about infrastructure. You've talked about housing. We're talking about a much larger area around Austin now. And that makes that transportation infrastructure so much more of an issue um, for people. We've, we've seen this talent issue only getting worse in the short time that we've been here. And every single person that we've talked to on the podcast has brought that up. Now, I don't know what the right term is anymore. The great reshuffling, the great resignation, the great switch, the great whatever. And now we're talking about some folks with a great regret having made those changes. Sure. What does PlanView do to make your company and your culture stand out in this ever more difficult labor environment? Yeah, well, thanks for that question, uh, Michael. This is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, as everyone at PlanView knows, right? I think think it starts with uh, a fundamental ethos we have as a company, which is that employee success plus customer success is what earns us the right to have business success, right? That's something that you know, uh, my leadership team, myself, you know, every member of the organization really embraces it. It's really sort of fundamental to our core values as a business. And when you do, when you, when you imbibe with that, then you, you, you imbibe with the fact that, look, you know, um, we can't take employee success uh, for granted. Uh, so so the, the mindset we have is everyone who's at Plan View. Uh, you know, they could be working in five other places and they probably could pick up the phone and get five offers within days, right? So we don't, we don't take it for granted that they have actually uh, chosen to work at Plan B. 
you know, we, we, we look at that as a privilege and, and we try to do work every day, every week, every month to make this as good of a place for our employees as possible. Right. And, and that starts with, you know, how do we onboard new employees and, and, and really help invest in developing them, training them, uh, you know, coaching them. Uh, some of those are, you know, on very specific topics that are relevant to our products, our technology base. Some of them are softer skills, right, in, in, in really helping first-time managers become effective managers or developing presentation skills, communication skills. So, so investing in, in the onboarding and the talent development is very key. Uh, we also uh, do a lot of work to, to really align on a common sense of purpose, mission, and vision for the business, right? I've always found that a purpose-driven organization uh, always has an environment where people want to be a part of that. And we over-index on the purpose, the mission, the vision of the company. And then we have, uh, we've taken a lot of time and efforts, you know, when I keep on board, we went through a pretty rigorous process with help from a Harvard Business School's professor, uh, Dr. Francis Fry, to retrench on what should be our core values, right? And, and core values are not something that we want to just have on PowerPoint slides or on, on, on office walls, right? Uh, we want that to be a common part of our fabric in the way we recruit people, you know, the way we uh, recognize performance, the way we promote people, right? Uh, it's all done through the lens of the, of the core values. Um, and, and then uh, we don't take, uh, take work for granted, as in like we, 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 we are very appreciative of the fact that people have a life outside of work and we encourage that life outside of work, right? We all have families, we have interests. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and we really try to balance, you know, elements. Uh, so during the pandemic, uh, you know, mental health issues uh, surged in most organizations. And, and uh, you know, going from one Zoom call to another could be very productive. But I'll tell you what, it's mentally fatiguing. It's, it's exhausting, right? So we, we really try to be deliberate about having things we call unplugged days, for example, right? Where, where uh, you know, just it's not a, it's not a bank or, or a national holiday. It's, it's, you know, we just have an unplugged day. You just use to, to, to do things outside of work, right? And we do that, you know, intermittently all across the year. We also have something we call no meeting Fridays, right? Where the first Friday of every month, uh, people work, but we, we don't have any internal meetings. If you have a customer meeting or a partner meeting, of course, we, we stick to those. But it's a catch-up day just to breathe and just to think and, and do catch-up work instead of going from one Zoom call to the next, right? So, so these, are, these are things that we've had to really realign on uh, as, as, as we've uh, really recalibrated with not just the talent issue, but also the new ways of working, right? Another good example is in the past, we used to do uh, all hands every quarter, once a quarter, and that was sufficient, right? Uh, well, given all the uncertainty around the world that we live in, you know, first was the pandemic, now it's other things, you know, we've increased the frequency. Uh, every six weeks, we have it all hands, right? And, and we cover a variety of topics, and I can tell you the attendance level has continued to stay high all throughout the, the six week interval, uh, you know, all hands. So these are all things that are so important. And, and, and a lot of people talk about culture, uh, organizational culture. 
and, and we are students of organizational culture, what I found is culture just doesn't happen by itself. And it doesn't happen by just saying something. You know, you, you've got to really work at it every day, every week. And our approach to that is, you know, how can we create a common sense of mission and vision? How can we align on the core values? How can we make sure that we are very respectful of the people and we make this a place where their, their careers can thrive and transform? And of course, you know, we have to be competitive when it comes to incentive structures and, and, and the monetary incentives. That, that goes without saying, but that by itself, what we found is not sufficient. You've got to go above and beyond that. And I don't see this, this chronic uh, you know, supply and demand imbalance and the talent, uh, you know, value chain improving in the near term, right? If anything, it's going to get worse uh, because the demand for the tech talent uh, is going through the roof. And now it's not just companies like ours who, who need that talent, the enterprise software companies or other technology companies. It's even companies, you know, in banking and, and insurance and, and, and automotive, like General Motors has over 10,000 engineers, software engineers now. Goldman Sachs has more software engineers than bankers, right? Uh, so, so technology is, and the, 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 the talent around technology is needed in every industry in the world, right? And, and so that's, that demand is spiking. And unfortunately, the supply is lagging, right? And so uh, uh, for us as a company, we, we, we are very focused on this and, and we work very hard. You know, we don't have all the answers to everything. We, we, we try to learn from other companies. Uh, we're curious about always trying new things. Uh, for example, I'll tell you, um, you know, we did a pilot, uh, you know, last year during the pandemic of the methodology that Google had developed is called the SIY, you know, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's really a self-improvement methodology, right? And um, we had a cross-functional team participate in that in a small pilot that's gone really well. Well, we, we learned from that, now we're expanding that and we're rolling that out across the entire company, right? Um, we, we, we've uh, really, you know, constantly reevaluated what does you know the the location strategy need to look like right when we've done surveys of our employees over 80 85 percent of our employees by the way not just here in austin but globally the consistent feedback is nobody wants to come back to a physical office five days a week and so and by the way everyone's being very productive working on zoom and slack and things like that however at the same time uh, we have a lot of new employees. We're we are, we are growing rapidly. You know, we've just this year, we've hired about 100 people globally, right? Uh, so, so and, and last year, we hired about 220, 230 people globally, right? Uh, and so we're getting a lot of new people that have never met with each other in the past, right? And while Zoom and Slack are very good to communicate, they don't provide the avenues for you to really get to know each other and build the trust and relationships. And there's nothing replaces in-person time. So one of the things we're doing is we calibrate to that hybrid ways of working, and that's a common terminology being used now, uh, is, is to really curate a, a, a set of activities in the offices that we have. Uh, whether they are uh, social activities, uh, you know, whether they are you know, bringing guest speakers, whether they are team building exercises or uh, community, lo local uh, interactions and volunteering efforts with community uh, organizations. 
we are curating them to positively motivate our employees to spend some in-person time. Uh, I don't believe, you know, people have to be in the office five days a week. Uh, and, and we don't require people to be five days a week, but we do want them to intermittently, whether it's a couple of times a month or whatever the right frequency is. And by the way, the frequency can vary by function, right? Because the way that software developers work is very different from the way our salespeople work. It's very different from the way, you know, our finance team works, for example, right? So we don't try to make a one-size-fit-all kind of an approach happen. But we still want to positively motivate people to spend some in-person time. Right, and that's obviously impacting the way we think about our physical office space. We have a, we have a beautiful office in North of Austin, right, uh, in, in the Research Park area, off of uh, you know Research Boulevard in One Eighty Three. We have a beautiful office, fifty thousand square feet, right, of office space, um, and and we want to utilize that in a thoughtful way. But uh, I don't believe forcing people to come into work every day is the answer, particularly in an industry like ours. Rasat, this has been unbelievable learning about PlanView and the future of connected work. We always like to kind of end the podcast with the same, you know, fundamental question. What's next, Austin? Look, I think uh, Austin will continue to be a bigger and bigger and a, and a more impactful innovation hub for, for the country and for the world. Uh, I, I think with the sort of companies moving in here, the sort of investments coming into the area, uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see Austin evolve as, as uh, a massive and an impactful innovation hub for our community. And at the same time, as we, as we go on that journey, uh, we're going to have to invest in the underlying infrastructure. And, and that includes, you know, transportation infrastructure, that includes housing infrastructure and all those sort of things. Uh, and and um, I think we'll have to work really hard as we have the growth and we make the investments to preserve the culture. I'm an example of somebody who's moved in here in the last 12 months and I, and I really enjoyed the culture. And I can tell you for one, you know, whatever I can do as an individual or as a family unit or as a, as a local uh, leader in, in the community, uh, you know, we, we, we do everything to, to try to preserve the culture. We, we need to, we need to uh, work at it. We should take it for granted. Zat Garav, CEO of PlanView, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher, leave us a review, and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.